Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. A dreadful performance by the Edmonton Oilers in Montreal. They lose 6-2. They were outworked, outsmarted, out-executed, and they suffer their first loss in regulation time since January 9th. They had been 9-0-2 in their last 11 games, but beaten badly today by the Canadians. So Edmonton's record drops to 30-19-5 on the season. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. What are we, a little over three hours from kickoff? 121 here in Edmonton. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, and this one started poorly for the Oilers <laughs> and didn't really get much better. I mean, the Canadians got the first eight shots on goal in the game. It took the Oilers almost half of the first period to even get a shot. By that time, they were already trailing one nothing. Skinner, who in the end, like most of the team, didn't have a great game, did what he could to keep the Oilers in it at least after 20 minutes. Two goals in the first eight and a half minutes of the second period for Montreal. It took the Oilers almost five minutes to get a shot on goal in that period. Then they had a little bit of life and actually got within a goal, and, and Jake Allen played uh, well for the Canadians in that stretch, even though he was scored on twice, but then a goal late in the second period by Montreal and then they got two more in the third to put it away so really this was just a game pretty much completely controlled by a beat-up Canadians club it, it was the Oilers had five minutes of power play where they really weren't able to execute like they normally are I believe they were one for six on the power play in the game with a couple of extended five on threes outside of that it was a game that. Uh, a Montreal Canadian team full of American Hockey League players uh, who played their hearts out tonight were the better team. Uh, they had better goaltending. Allen was excellent. Uh, Skinner had an, an off night. Uh, specialty teams, the Canadians, I believe, scored two power play goals and a shorthanded goal. And the Oilers had were one for six and gave up the shorty or the the power play goals against. Five on five, the Oilers' best three players, Hyman. Leon and Connor were all minus three in this hockey game. Uh, from top to bottom, Montreal uh, came in with a game plan just to outwork the Oilers and hope for the best. They got the goaltending and the work ethic, and that today led to two points that the Edmonton Oilers wish they had. Yeah, just a really poor game. And like I said, it started early. McDavid takes an offensive zone penalty five minutes into the game, shoots the puck into the boards in frustration. Montreal didn't score on that, but they scored shortly after the the one goal. Well, no, no, sorry, that was Montreal's first goal, the Belzeal goal, and he's a cool story. He gets his first NHL goal at the age of 31. I, I guess Kulak wanted Skinner to cover the puck, and then <laughs> it's just a mess in, in front of the Oilers' net, and Belzeal finally fires it in. I, I will say this. Some of this game, and it's, it, it's like coaches often say, 
sometimes at the end of a losing streak, you're actually playing quite well. And sometimes at the end of a, a good streak, you might win a couple or get points where, where you shouldn't. Now, I do think the Oilers had a pretty good game yesterday in Ottawa, but to me, this was more like the game in Philadelphia. Yes, I, I agree. The, the Philadelphia game, the Oilers got a point that they probably didn't deserve. And again, that's a Philadelphia team that is near lower in the standings and beat up with injuries. They're missing a number of players. And today, in, in this game against the Canadians, they started the game with 9-10 players out of their lineup. They lost one of their top defensemen in, in Jack Eye, who, who left the game uh, after a fight. So they were down to five defensemen for half the game, including a couple guys like I've never heard of before today, Jordan Harris or Justin Barron or, or, or players of that ilk. Yeah, those players stood. I mean, Jordan Harris had two goals today. Uh, and I'd be hard-pressed to go around Edmonton right now. Okay, who, who played defense for the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, after Savard, I'm like, and Matheson, I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't even know who they got in their top six. But the, the Oilers weren't able to take advantage of it because it was a pack mentality for the Canadians today. That every time Connor or Leon had the puck, they weren't beating one guy. No player in the Canadians ever had to stand one-on-one -on -one against the two star players of the Oilers. It was a pack. There was two. There was three. Uh, they were whacking and hacking. They were physical. Uh, Connor was knocked over a few times, and you could see in the frustration. Leon was knocked down a few times. So the Montreal Canadiens came in and said, all right, this is, this is all we have. This is who we are today. We're a hard-working hockey club. If we can't win because you outskill us, if your skill beats us, that's fine. But you're not going to outwork us. And the Oilers certainly didn't. And the special teams favored the Oilers going into this game on paper. Didn't work out that way. The Oilers' number one power play did score, one for six. But like you said, they allowed a shorthanded goal. And the Canadiens' power play, last in the NHL at 15%, goes two for three today. Uh, yeah, uh, everything that uh, – it was a mix-up world today. It's like upside-down world. Uh, the, the, the bad for the Canadiens was good. The good for the Oilers was bad. Uh, it just – Again, the the Oilers, they laid an egg. It, it was a bad night or a bad afternoon. The effort level wasn't where it needed to be. The battle level level wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, I do believe, and, and I've been guilty of it in over my career. You come into a game that you're supposed to win, and you're hoping that the game's a little easier than uh, than you brought. And tonight, the Montreal Canadiens in the first three shifts, it's like, oh, it's like, okay, which team here's the team that's on a, on a run here, which team here is the playoff team? Because the Canadians looked like that. Uh, and I know that I think George LaRock was on between periods when he talked about the fact that a bunch of minor league guys want to make a statement. I belong here. And there are a few guys uh, on this Canadian team. This kid, Harvey Pinard, he's played nine games. He's got six goals. He's making the most of an opportunity. And good on him. Uh, the, the, Oilers, the, the Oilers have left three points on this road trip they wish they had back. An extra point in Philly and then two here in Montreal. But they get a couple days off, they get to rest, and then come back and, and try to start another streak. But the effort level, and it, it's a wake-up call. To me, this is a wake-up call. You don't bring the same effort level every night. I don't care who you are in the National Hockey League. You can win or you can lose. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. The, I mean, Allen did have a good game, yep. but... Um, they didn't lose because of a hot goalie. They, I mean, again, like Philadelphia, board battles. Yep. You know, the area in front of both nets. Well, again, when the Oilers are playing well and the, playing the way that Jay Woodcroft wants them to play, because sometimes you run into a good goaltender, and Allen was excellent tonight, made a number of saves that we would normally see Connor or Leon score on. But your, your structure of your team, that if those pucks don't go in, well, instead of winning 5-2, we might have to win this game 3-2. 
But the Oilers didn't have that structure in their game today, and they didn't have the work ethic. So now when those pucks aren't going in, it's okay, well, we'll win a low-scoring game. Well, they give up, was it six? They give up six goals in the game. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the goal, Allen played well, but we were going to have to score seven in this hockey game to win. So that's the part that hurts for the Oilers. When a team's goaltender robs you, you still should be in a hockey game. And the Oilers, in all honesty, they weren't in this game. They weren't in this game other than a five-minute stretch where they got the benefit of a couple of calls. Yeah. Well, and the shots wind up 31-30 for the Canadians. It was 10-3 Edmonton in the third period. And still Montreal scored on two of their three <laughs> shots. Yeah, yeah. just Edmonton outplayed uh, quite thoroughly today. It, it was somewhat reminiscent of the game these two teams played at Rogers Place earlier in the season when um, Edmonton won 5-3. Three of the goals in that game, two by Edmonton and one by Montreal, were scored on two-man advantages. You may remember uh, Montreal took a string of penalties, including shooting the puck over the glass early in the, in the second period, and Edmonton went up 3-1. Well, Montreal... actually, isn't that the game where which is, um, the captain grabbed the puck and threw the puck in that game as well? It was another silly penalty, Suzuki, where he, he got a puck and he made a little move with it in oh, his hand I think and that threw was, it. Yeah, and Edmondson uh, and they got didn't a power. get Hyman in the head. Yeah, yeah. so a lot of things, as uh, you were then, But Montreal came back to tie, but then Nurse scored with four seconds left in the second mm -hmm. period, and then Edmonton won 5-3. So, yeah, the power plays sort of got Edmonton back in it. So here's what happened. Dreisaitl scored on a power play, and Hyman was hooked going to the net. So the, the Oilers got another power play out of that, and then the Canadians took a penalty. So Edmonton had a two-man advantage for a minute 28. Didn't score. Kane scored just as the second power play expired. But, but even that, in some ways, when you look back now, was a win for Montreal. Because if Edmonton would have scored on the two-man advantage, then then it's, it's still power play time to possibly tie the game. And that's one of those, those uh, weird rules that have changed over the years. The Oilers were on a power play. And another penalty is being killed. So the way it works, when you scored, as the Oilers did before the whistle went, the penalty that is still on the board is the one that comes off, and the penalty that you got on the ice is the one that goes in. So uh, it was a, a big moment for the Oilers at that point, uh, but they certainly didn't take advantage of as they as they have in the past. And a lot of it is, to me, is just on the back of the way the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, played everything as hard as they could down low. I mean, they blocked everything. They blocked passes. They blocked shots. Uh, the willingness. Like, at the end of the game, it's 6-2. And there were four times in the last three to four minutes of this game where the Montreal Canadiens made big blocks on shots from the point. Like, at that point, sometimes in a four-goal lead and a team that's as badly injured as you are, you maybe you're just not quite in the shooting lane because the game is over, but the Canadians continue to do all the little things right, and that was another big difference in this game. The Canadians' discipline and dedication to little things was much better than the Edmonton Oilers was. 24 blocked shots by the Canadians, 14 by the Oilers. David Savard had seven blocks. Well, that's, the, today. that's the guy I kept talking every time he was on there. I'm like, I really like that Savard. He is a quality veteran defenseman. Yeah. So 6-2, the Canadians throttled the Oilers this afternoon. one nothing after the first, 4-2 after two, and then the 6-2 final. Oddly enough, the Oilers won 73% of the face-offs, which <laughs> proves that it uh, is often one of the most overrated stats in the game. Dreisaitl went 15 out of 18. So that was... <laughs> 
that was a big reason uh, for that one. McDavid's 15-game point streak is over. So Bass gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card, taking the under of two and a pa- two and a half points for McDavid, courtesy River Cree Resort and Casino excitement bet on it. So McDavid stays at 97 points. We are excited about the possibility of him getting to 100 today, but that, uh, that certainly was not in the cards <laughs> as the Oilers for the third time in uh since mcdavid became an order play on super bowl sunday 2017 they won one nothing in a shootout uh they lost in overtime in 2019 and they lose in in regulation today they played on super bowl saturday in in 2016 and lost 5-1 then on super bowl sunday lost 8-1 to the new york islanders if you care about history and that sort of stuff oh we're big into history right now and i believe well, it's more interesting than this game for others <laughs> fans probably that is true it'll put us all in a better mood talking about the good old days yeah uh but it, the, the canadians are are interesting i mean obviously they're uh in canada they're a franchise that people pay a lot of attention to i mean they're still the most recent canadian team to win the stanley cup even though it was 30 years ago uh they had that incredible run to the final in the pandemic shortened season and then a lot of changes coaching management players since then even um and it was it was a real eyebrow raiser when it's like wait marty st louis coaching okay (laughs) wait was he an assistant somewhere and i missed it no he's coaching u12 hockey okay or (laughs) u13 whatever it is but we touched on this during the intermission and and it's and it's worth discussing about um, you know, I think where coaching is headed and where hockey is headed. And you mentioned the the clip from Larac on Bob's show the other day. Uh, you know, I talked to Brian Wild earlier this season uh, that it, it's it's go play. Mm-hmm. You know, know what your strengths are. I'm I'm not gonna staple you to the bench if you make one or two mistakes. You know, go back out there and play to your strengths. Now look. They're still not having a good year. They're likely going to finish second last in the Eastern Conference, probably just ahead of Columbus. Um, they'll be in the Bedard sweepstakes to some extent. They already have the first overall pick. And, and we've seen Oilers teams in this situation where you feel like, well, you know, they're bad, but hopefully they're going to get good. For the Oilers, it took a while. We, we don't know which way it's going to go to Montreal. But uh, it is interesting, you know, a, a coaching hire that when it was made around a year ago, the Canadians were almost being mocked for making now it's like no he's putting a lot of good things in place and he has the right attitude for what could be a relatively young team for a while well it was funny when i can't was it luke shen it was one of the players in vancouver when they got rid of boudreaux and he talked about it to me coaching is about communication and it's about relationships uh, more so than anything else nowadays because really a lot of the systems are the same and we got a thousand well, most nights, 18,000 fans in the stands that know exactly what this team should be doing, where the players should be playing. But you got to get the players to buy in, and you got to get the players to uh, play to their best. And sometimes you kick, sometimes you pat, sometimes you coddle, whatever it is. But you have to have relationships, and I think that's what Marty St. Louis is doing in Montreal. He has relationships with the teams. He's got communication with his players, and they enjoy playing for him. And it's a team right now that's got a, a number of young players playing up for them. Uh, that are getting or older but he's getting the most out of them and the players want to play for them so I, I, I do I, what he lacked in experience as a coach I think he has got an overabundance of in experience as a player of what a coach should be like uh, you take whenever you as a, as a player you take all the coaches you've ever had and you take all the stuff that you that you felt was good 
from those coaches and all the stuff that you thought, okay, this thing, this guy here, he did this, you take that out and you try to mold yourself into uh, what you think a coach should be. And it looks like St. Louis done that. But I can tell you this, that tonight in, or this afternoon in this game, the Montreal Canadiens came with one job on mind, mm -hmm. work. And it's hard. At late in the season, you're beat up, a bunch of guys in the lineup that aren't supposed to be there, and you're playing against the hottest team in the NHL. They came out here with absolutely zero intimidation against them. They came out here to outwork the others, and they certainly did. Yeah, I, I find that interesting, too, the coaching discussion. Now, there, there were not playoff aspirations for the Canadians. Nope. You know, Lou, Lou, if, if they would have lost this game, it doesn't matter for, for you know, yesterday's game. But so maybe it's, it's different than a team that is, is Tampa Bay or Colorado or even Edmonton. You know, so teams that are at the top or, or Edmonton hopefully on the way up you know, to being a dangerous team for a while. But I, I do find, okay, so you, you, you make a mistake. Your coach says nothing to you except sit on the bench until I tell you to go out. Or, okay, here's the iPad. Look, what should you, do you know what you should have done there? Yeah, I, I see it. Okay, go do it. I know you can do it. Okay. I saw you do it in junior. I've seen you do it for the last two weeks. Just go out in there and do it. So I think that's, you know, more of the philosophy now. Well, and, and it should be because I know as a player, I've played for both coaches, and I, I've talked about it a lot playing for Ken Hitchcock. It was one, when you have the puck, do what you want. But when you don't have the puck, you do what I ask. And that's all any offensive player wants to do because it doesn't handcuff me because I can see this play. It's a, I got a 70% chance of making this play, and if I make this play, that guy's got a grade A scoring chance. But there's a 30% chance it's going to fail. There's a lot of coaches like... No, if it's not 100%, dump it in. Well, you just took away my strength as a player. I was drafted or brought here because I can make offensive plays. If I'm just dumping it in, well, you might as well go get that dude that's down in the, in the minors right now because he'll do that every single time. And there's not going to be a high on, on him. It's all going to be, okay, This here's what we're doing. We're going to dump the puck in. We're going to be robots over and over again. And a lot of coaches that I've had, and there's coaches over the course of the history of the NHL, that's what they expected from you. New coaches, okay, here's why we have you. Dylan Holloway, Dylan Holloway, why do we have you on the team? It's because of your speed and your ability to get to the net and make plays. So we're going to let you do that. Because if I just make say, okay, every time you're on the ice, you play like Clem Coston. Get the puck in deeper. You play with Warren Fogle. You've got to let players play to their strengths or why did you draft that player in the first place? But when you don't have the puck, now you've got to be conscious defensively. You've got to get back hard. You've got to be in the right spot in your own zone for outlet passes. And I think that's all any player wants because he gets to be the player he's supposed to be. But he also now is contributing in a defensive end, which allows the coach to say, all right, you made that mistake, but then you got back into the right spot. And as a player... It'd be like any walk of life, any job that you're at. If I made a mistake, I like the coach that comes up, as you said, okay, what did you do wrong there? And then you, if you know it, instead of the player coming up, you did this wrong. Have a conversation, and instead of yelling at a player, it makes the player that much more responsive because anyone that gets yelled at or, de or, or talked down to, your first thought is, okay, I don't like this guy. Your first thought is to be combative. Where if you have a conversation, okay, here's what I saw. Oh, you know, now that I see it on video, okay, I understand that more. And that's how you have a better relationship with a coach. And those coaches, Cooper in Tampa Bay, 
uh, Quenville for years. Those coaches last longer because they have relationships with their players. 6-2, the Canadians take down the Oilers this afternoon, so that's a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. They are filling the net, $100 to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous every time the Oilers score this season. The Oilers goal scorers today, Dreisaitl gets his 30th, Kane gets his 9th. Hyman and Bouchard assisting on the first goal. Nurse and Bouchard assisting on the second goal as uh, both those goals in the, the second half of the second period, which was the Oilers' best little stretch of, uh, of this entire game. They, they weren't uh, in it for, for much of the night. <laughs> and, and Bouchard, uh, you know, a really tough play on, on uh, the shorthanded goal that made it 6-2. It, and, and unfortunately, that's, that's his weakness, right? Yeah, it, well, it's, you know, and I... I don't know if he feels it, but the way it looks is very laissez-faire. Uh, it's not, I'm not going to go back 100 miles an hour, pick up the puck and have time. I'm going to go back. I, I feel like I feel some pressure, but it doesn't bother me. But on that play right there, I mean, Doc, first of all, takes the puck away from him, which is your mistake number one. Then uh, Bouchard gets beat out of the corner. That's mistake number two. And the two mistakes led to a wide open opportunity because now the forward that was back checking, I believe it was Hyman, he had to come over to dock and then that makes the, the back door wide open one-timer uh, available for, for the Montreal Canadiens. But uh, Bouchard, the, the biggest problem for Bouchard, he's not having the offensive year that sometimes you overlook some defensive miscues because what well, the guy's got 14 goals or the guy's got 52 points. He's not having that year, and a play like that, again, it was, it was at the end of the game, and the game was more or less in the bag, but it doesn't look good. And, I mean, for me, it would affect me confidence-wise going into the next game because it was pretty blatant. There's mistakes that are made that you don't notice because so much else is going on on the ice. Well, when you're on an island right there, everyone in the rink, everyone watching on television saw that one play. Uh, so, and, and you wonder too with uh, the Carlson rumors, yeah, and the, or the Chikrin rumors, with them out there, those are both offensive defensemen. Those would be guys that would be taking a minutes away from Evan Bouchard, yeah. or taking Evan Bouchard's spot because he would be going the other way. You wonder if that uh, affects him and his play uh, over the next little while because today Evan Bouchard had a tough night. Well, and these uh, these rumors are going to be interesting. It's it's ramping up towards the trade deadline, which is March third. If it if it's like past years, there will probably be some significant trades in the three to seven days before mm -hmm. March third, and and there won't be maybe as quite as many big ones uh, on, on the day. But you know, Bob and I were talking about it because I said, well, you know, if you traded for Carlson, you'd think Bouchard would be involved. And Bob said, well, maybe it's Bouchard and Barry. Which now that you, you, know, then you and, think and, about and, it, like, well, yeah. And DeHarnay plays a little bit more as your as your third, and, and sometimes there's more than one move, right? But yes, it, it is uh, it is interesting to talk about. And, and again, as we've said, Carlson makes the team better. Oh, absolutely. Carlson makes the team better. The thing that I'll say again to Oilers fans that I say all the time is, if you are San Jose, what do you want, and how much salary are you willing to retain? You know, and the every, every trade set, and I'll just say this: every trade, most trade suggestions we get involve Jesse Puljujarvi. Everybody, you have to remember, Jesse Puljujarvi is not a piece that is of much value to other teams because the Oilers have been trying to trade him for at least a year, probably. Well, put it this way: Jesse could be put on waivers, and there's a strong chance that no one would take him. 
Right. And that's taking him for nothing. So, uh, Yessi, I mean, I would take Yessi and give him a 30-game uh, audition on my team to see if he can find his game. He's still a young kid with uh, a ton of skill and some great attributes. But in any trade that involves a bit, when if they're taking Yessi, you're actually giving that team something else so that they take Yessi's contract. Well, it's like though they traded Cassie. Yeah. They had to throw in a so, little yeah, bit more so for Arizona. Yessi right. is only part of a trade as a benefit to the Oilers. It's not a trade where the other team says, we want Yessi. They're saying, we, okay, we'll, we'll take. We'll audition him. We'll take We're Yessi, not going to make the playoffs. But so. you're also giving us this for us to take Yessi off your hands. All right. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls in a couple minutes as well here. But first, let's go at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Named one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit eclipse247.ca. Head coach Jay Woodcroft. The start to just to help hard your team push you know what, I thought both teams got what they deserved tonight. Montreal played a very good game, credit to them. Uh, and I didn't think we were very sharp at all, so we got what we deserved. Um, ended up getting behind the game, and uh, we, we made a push there in the second period, made it close, but uh, in the end we didn't get it done, and uh, I think it's our first regulation loss in over a month, in 12 games or so, and um, we accept it. Uh, Going to learn from it, and... Look forward to getting back home. Part of that push was from Vincent Darnay, uh, kind of injecting a little bit of intensity into the game with the fight. What did you think of his performance in his hometown? Yeah, Vincent and Evander both uh, injected some uh, emotion into the game, and you know, I thought, you know, I thought that's a, a positive that they can individually take out of the the game uh, to try and change momentum. But uh, you know, for for us. Um, to a man, all of us weren't good enough today, and and uh, and uh, we're gonna have to, like I said, we're gonna have to learn from it and uh, get better as we move forward when we go back home here. Knowing the journey of Sunday Alain, do you believe it was really a special one for him to be skating first time at the Bell Center? Oh yes, I think anyone from the province of Quebec uh, getting to um, play a game in the cathedral uh, that is the Bell Center. Um, you know, it's not the Montreal Forum, but it's still pretty special for any young hockey player to, to come out of Quebec uh, to, to play a game here. And uh, I'm sure he's uh, sky high with not only being in the NHL, but uh, being a uh, productive member of our decor and, and playing a game here in Montreal. What was it about the Canadians tonight that made them a challenging opponent? Well, you know, I think they have a lot of really good hockey players. Um, you know, and, and for us, we respect every opponent, um, regardless of what their record uh, is. Uh, this is the National Hockey League. And uh, in order to win, you have to be on your at the top of your game. And and for us, uh, we just felt we weren't sharp. Uh, but as I said, credit to the Montreal Canadiens because they did a good job today. Second period power play was probably where momentum was cut off. Oh, I don't know. I think uh, I didn't love our game the entire game. Um, but, you know, uh, we tried to, you know, fight back. And, um, you know, we weren't able to kill that, that power play. Uh, they were able to get two power play goals on us. Um, our penalty kill has been a real strength here over these last... Uh, six weeks or so and um, you know we, we just weren't as detailed as we normally are on it and um, it's the National Hockey League they made us pay when we weren't uh, weren't on top of our game 
one of the criticisms of your team is has was in the past that you lacked a bit of toughness. Do you think you found a bit of that in uh, Vinny Dernick? Where's that criticism come from? From the media. Oh, from the media. Oh, you guys. Um, you know what? I, I would say that uh, we have uh, more than enough uh, people on our roster that can help take care of things. Now, you and I might have a different definition of what tough is. I think Connor McDavid's one of the toughest players in the National Hockey League with how many battles he wins on the ice, uh, where he's willing to go to find offensive success. And I think we have a lot of guys that do that. Um, but in terms of the fisticuffs department, we have more than enough guys that can help take care of that. Um, and, you know, I've seen what our players are made of um, deep into the month of uh, May and early June. Uh, you don't get to that point without being a tough team, and we've got a lot of people that uh, that fall under that category. Let me rephrase it. What do you think Vinny Darnay is about to well, I, exactly um, uh, what I saw in the American Hockey League. He's someone who brings size and length on the back end. Uh, he plays a simple brand of hockey. He doesn't get outside of his own uh, skill set. He's comfortable in his own skin. And, you know, I think, you know, while he can take care of himself, that's not his uh, number one uh, attribute. I think he's a solid stick-on-puck defender. He's a good penalty killer. Uh, and if uh, the situation arises that he has to take care of stuff, then he can. Uh, um, but he's he's been really good. I think this was the first game our team has not won in regulation uh, since he's been in our lineup. That's a credit uh, to his contribution, and it's a credit to a lot of hard work over the last 12, 12 games uh, by our players. But as I said, you know, tonight uh, was a game where it, we weren't sharp right from the get-go, and we were made to pay. Well. I think well said by when well, I mean, he started off at the beginning. Both teams <laughs> got what they deserved. There was no. Uh, no inkling that this should have or could have been. I mean, even the Philadelphia game, you could at least say, well, you know, Skinner kept them in it, and so they got, got a point. They got a point because you know, of their goalie. But yeah, this was a pretty bad game by Edmonton, <laughs> and a good game by Montreal as the Canadians win it six-two. So I have shut off the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. It was on after yesterday's game. I've had to deactivate it, Rob Brown because the Oilers did not score five or more today. Whenever they do, you can go to 630Ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki, ste uh, teppanyaki steak restaurants. Come in and check out their new location, 3975 Calgary Trail. All right, we got time for your phone calls here. Super Bowl Sunday, 780-496-0063. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. 6-2 Habs crush the Oilers. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Here we go. Fox Kane, Jack and Darnay. They got the gloves off. They've hooked up. They're in the corner. Darnay trying to hold them out. Jack Eye throws a couple of rights over the top. Now Darnay with a solid right. Jack Eye throws one. Darnay gets them down Good job, Dayarnay, taking that fight. The linesman will get in there. Vincent Dayarnay and Arbor Jackeye fires up the crowd here at the Bell Center. Oilers need something to get yeah. them going. Yeah. Mooner calling the crunch of the game for Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. A fight in the second period, almost exactly halfway through the game. 10-03 left in the second. Vinny DeHarnay against Arbor Jackeye, the guy they call Wi-Fi. 
Dayarnay a bit taller, Jack Eye heavier, and the more experienced fighter. Now, unfortunately for Jack Eye, uh, injured in that fight. Yeah, to me, it, well, it was a hand injury, and it looked like he broke something, unfortunately, on the side of <laughs> Dayarnay's head. Uh, two big boys going at it, and uh, it was funny. Before the game, I, you and I were talking. I said, I wonder if Dayarnay can fight. I mean, at that size, someone's going to challenge you throughout your career. And uh, he was challenged tonight, or he took it upon himself to challenge Jack Eye, and Jack Eye can fight. He, uh, he's, a, he's having an outstanding rookie season. He's become a very, very popular player in Montreal, and he's not afraid to drop the gloves. He's got, well, coming into the game, had 92 minutes on the season, which is most on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Dayarnay, who has been involved every time there's a scrum and he's on the ice, he usually grabs two or three players off the opposition. This time he grabbed the tough guy, and uh, he sparked the team for a little while. Well, we'll give Dayarnay the fourth star for Jandell Homes, Alberta's premier modular home retail. A couple dozen family and friends in the crowd tonight. Harris, Allen, and Belzeal, the three stars as uh, selected on the NHL game sheet as you could have picked a lot of guys for stars for the Canadians as they went at 6-2. Harris had two goals. Allen, even though his team was in control, made all the saves that he needed to, and uh, Belzeal, the 31-year-old, gets his first NHL goal in his 20th career regular season game. Well, and DeHarnay, I mean, again, a tough day for the Oilers, but First time he loses in regulation time since he came up to the NHL, which was a pretty cool uh, run for him. But he plays 13:42. He's even in, in a really tough night for your team. We, we've seen him now for these dozen games. I mean, he gives you what he has. Yep. I mean, if he's beaten, at least he has the the reach to recover. And you mentioned we've called him the octopus. Uh, they've called him seaweed or kelp man because of what Woodcroft said, but he, he's almost like the human whiteout, as you could use <laughs> as well, the way he is in the corners. Well, there's a player that now, he's not this player, but there's a player that I used to play against named Darian Hatcher that he would just smush you. When you went in the corner, like your mom and dad would be in the stands like, yeah, I lost you for a few seconds on the ice. I was there. You just couldn't see me because you just saw all Hatcher. Well, that's what DeHarnay is. When he goes into the corner, it's not like they're physically pounding hits that he throws but he just eliminates he just eliminates that player and there's nothing that player can do and he's got such a reach that when he takes you in if you're five feet left of him or five feet right right of him he's still got you and he just keeps you in there so i uh, he is a very very safe player that in the the final five minutes of a one goal game that you're you're trying to nurse home when you put him on the ice you know what i, I feel comfortable because he's, he's not making a mistake. Uh, he doesn't, as Jay Woodcroft said, he doesn't get out of his own skin. He understands what he is as a hockey player. Now, that is an advantage, being a 26-year-old rookie. Mm -hmm. Being at this level, you're not intimidated. There's nothing, you know, I've seen just about everything. I'm fairly confident of who I am. Uh, he just continues to impress, and good on him. So the Oilers lose 6-2 to the Canadians. On the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Seattle wins 4-3 in Philadelphia. Vegas is playing Anaheim. It's 1-0 Vegas after 1. Also, the Sharks lead the Capitals 3-1 late in the third. So at the moment, you got Vegas 66 points, Seattle 65, Edmonton 65, LA 65. Seattle is placed ahead of the other two teams because they have a game in hand. Uh, the Oilers get...
placed ahead of LA. Geez, what would the tiebreaker be for that? They played the same number of games. Oh, wins ex uh, excluding uh, shootout wins. And just going a little bit more on the scores you just gave, since they're throwing it out there, let's get excited about it. Eric Carlson tonight in a 3-1 lead in Washington has his 18th goal of the season as well as two assists. Eric Carlson, who will win the Norris Trophy this year if there's no injury for the remainder, scored his 18th goal and has three points in a 3-1 San Jose late lead in Washington. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Okay, if we want to talk hypothetically, we can have a little bit of fun. If the Edmonton Oilers were to acquire Eric Carlson, they would have three of the six leading scorers in the NHL because Carlson is currently sixth. A couple guys are close behind. They'd have three of the top ten, and then they'd have five of the top 15 because <laughs> right now Hyman and Nugent Hopkins are 13-14. And they'd have Evander Kane. <laughs> Like right, who's close to a yeah. point a game, but, but has well, played a lot. Put it this way, uh, Eric Carlson has more goals than anyone on the Montreal Canadiens. The defenseman, Eric Carlson, yeah. with 18 goals, has more goals than any player on the Montreal Canadiens. So it's uh, he is he's a game changer. I mean, he almost single-handedly took the Ottawa Senators to the Stanley Cup that one year where he got hurt. I believe, didn't he get his uh, Achilles stepped on or kicked against the Pittsburgh Penguins? In the semifinals, a few years back, uh, they did play Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they lost. They, then they, they lost, lost game seven overtime. Yeah, yeah. but they, he almost on his back took the Ottawa Senators to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, for comparison's sake, uh, Barry has 23 power play points, and Carlson has 18. So he's got a lot of his stuff five on five. Well, how many power play goals does Carlson have? Goals? Yeah, four. He's got 14. Even Barry has three. Yeah, but. Carlson has 14 even strength goals on the season. That's good that's for a, a that, forward. That's a good point. That's <laughs> he, he's good. That's why if you're trading for him, uh, you are giving up an awful lot. Yeah, it, that, to me, that's so interesting because he makes so – I mean, at 32, he's not old. Now, the, 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 like you said, the past injuries make you wonder, and then you worry about the last couple of years of the contract. Well, is this a contract two years from now that you're like, oh, my God, we have this contract we can't get and, and if And the thing is, if you win the Stanley Cup, wherever he goes, if he goes somewhere, whether it's Edmonton or somewhere else, is it worth it? It's true. Well, if, he complete, if he's completely broken down in three years. Yes, and what you gave up. Because, I mean, the one thing, too, is, as you and I were talking, Leon Dreisel has two years left on his contract. Uh, Connor has three, so that's a year and a half from now. You're hoping that Leon resigns, or you're hoping that Connor, two years from now, resigns. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't, if they don't, God forbid, and all of a sudden you gave up a Holloway and a Broberg and all these first-round picks, I'm like, ooh, where's our team going to be? We still got, who's coming we, up? Yeah. We still got Carlson, but he's now on a team like the San Jose Sharks, where he's the only strong player. So I, I mean, it is so intriguing, and I would love, I would love to watch Eric Carlson play in the hometown Edmonton Oilers uniform. That would be fun. Oilers lose 6-2 in Montreal. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You will also hear from Derek Ryan. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Cody Cece up the right wing for Dreisaitl. Through the middle, taken away by Suzuki. He'll bring it right back in for Harvey Pennard. Now to Anderson. Anderson over the left wing. A backhand save by Skinner. Rebound. Oh, Skinner got that one too. Two good saves by Stuart Skinner. 
Stuart Skinner, save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Skinner stops 24 out of 30. His record now 13-11-4 and four as the Oilers lose badly. 6-2 to the Montreal Canadiens. So the Oilers go 2-1-1 one one on this road trip. They're now 30-19-5 and five on the season. First regulation loss since January 9th. They had gone 9-0-2 in their previous 11 games. They were uh, beaten in regulation time against uh, Los Angeles back on January 9th. So that does it for uh, the Oilers' unbeaten run in regulation. They'll try to get uh, back in the win column against the Detroit Red Wings at Rogers Place on Wednesday. 780-496-0063. If you want to talk this afternoon, Clem Costin did not play. Uh, didn't get a really further update on on uh, his injury. Yamamoto remains out. I, I know there's. I think Jeff Merrick's said today that Puliarvi is the one who's going to go down when Yamamoto's active. So maybe this is his. Uh, who knows? Could, potentially could have been now. Potentially <laughs> could have been Puliarvi's last game as an Edmonton Oiler. But you never know. Um, I, I mean, that's whether he gets claimed or not, it could be, because if he doesn't come back up, I don't think they're going to bring him back uh, next year. But the thing is, injuries can change everything, right? I mean, Puglia-Arvey may have not played these two games if Fogel hadn't been banged up yesterday. And, uh, well, after scoring yesterday, he was probably going to play. But you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, 100%. If Fogel wasn't injured, I mean, because the Oilers, Fogel had been playing well. So you're not thinking he's going to get pulled out of the lineup. And he did because of the injury that allowed Yessi to go in. Yes, he scores a goal, feels good about himself. And at that point, he's thinking positive. But... The Oilers have to do some math gymnastics because of the salary issues. And with Yamamoto coming back, uh, we keep hearing the same thing from Ken Holland, cash in, cash out. Well, three million is coming in. Well, that means three million has to come out, which is Yessi Pugliarvi's contract. So, uh, yeah, it, it to me, it he's the, sim- the simple one that will come out and... It's if this is the end of Yessi uh, in Edmonton. Um, well, his second last game was very good for him. He scored a goal. But again, I never say never with all of this stuff because uh, Yamamoto could come back and in, an injury could happen again. Something, someone could get hurt in practice. But yeah, Yessi uh, has not had the season that he had hoped for and that the others had hoped for. Yeah. Uh, 6-2, the Canadians uh, win this afternoon over Montreal. Uh, again, just a, if you if you missed this game or missed us talking earlier, this was n- uh, not a good game in any measure by uh, by the Oilers who got goals from Dreisaitl and Kane. Let's go back to Montreal. Here's Derek Ryan. Yeah, getting a chance to play in his hometown today. Yeah, it was great. I thought he's brought a lot of different elements to his game, to our team, and obviously that physical element is something that only some guys um, put forth in our dressing room, so it's nice to see him do that. Uh, he's a big, strong guy. He's played well for us. I know it's never an excuse, but uh, having a, a matinee puck drop in the Eastern time zone, how much did that kind of affect your, your start to the game? Um, I mean, I thought we had a good start last yesterday in Ottawa, and it's the same thing. So, um, yeah, that's not an excuse. I thought we had um, every opportunity to be to be good at the start. Well, that's it. Is that two <laughs> questions for Derek Wright? One about Dayarnay, which is a good story. I'm, I'm, oh, don't incredible mind story. That, but yes. yeah, I, the the start time is no weeks. I, I mean, I, I know the Oilers historically have this really bad matinee record. Uh, they've had a couple bad matinee games this year, though they have been better in the last few years overall in matinees. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, 
yesterday know. they had a great first period. Yeah, no, that had so nothing to do with nothing it. So nothing to do with it. They just didn't they didn't have a good game. No, and people make too much of scheduling uh, early games, late games. Both teams are playing. Yeah. Both so Well, generally I know sometimes there might be little trends where you say, oh, that's that's weird or that doesn't make sense. But, I mean, the Oilers missed the playoffs for 10 years. They lost matinees. They lost games on Monday night, <laughs> Tuesday night, Wednesday night, back-to-back, first and second point. I mean, you look at a lot of the trends this year, you know, they, they do better in back-to-back games. Well, yeah, they do also do better in standalone games because they're, they're better. They're, they're yes. a better team. So usually it comes down. I mean, every once in a while there's some weird thing like, Oh, you know, this team only lost 25 games and, you know, eight of them were on Tuesdays. But, yeah, generally it's uh, <laughs> it goes with the quality of the team, not some uh, quirky schedule thing. We got Steve at 780-496-0063. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, comment and a question. Um, question will go first, I guess. Uh, if we put Yamamoto and Pugliarvi on waivers to clear $6 million off the books, um, would you think that would be a, a, a reasonably intelligent thing for all of them to do? No. They won't put Yamamoto on waivers. Put, they don't, no, Yamamoto's not going on waivers. And you know, you, that don't, doesn't clear $6 million. If no one picks them up, it doesn't clear the money. Or you would clear some of it, yes. Some of it, but, yeah. but not all of it. Yamamoto would get picked up, and you're not trading Yamamoto. He's in your top six. Uh, no, Yamamoto's not going on waivers. Fair enough. Um What's the story with the Dayarnay kid? What took him so long to make it to the team? He sounds like a pretty good hockey player, and then I'll just I'll listen to you. Thanks, guys. Well, I mean, you got to remember where he was was drafted. I mean, as, when he was eighteen, nineteen, I mean, forget about Connor McDavid. He wasn't uh, he wasn't even Holloway or Yamamoto or. Okay, I'm trying to think of some, where was Brandon Davidson drafted? Like the fourth or fifth round? Remember him? Yep. I mean, I know they're from different eras, but Brandon Davidson would have been a highly, more highly thought of prospect at 18 or 19. Yep, 100 percent. Davidson, Davidson was a sixth rounder. Well, in at 2010. The, at the end of the day, David, or excuse me, Darnay wasn't as good at 20 or right. 21 or 22, and I think he eventually found his role and uh, he, he had. And it, also put it this way: if Manson and Woodcroft aren't up here right now taking over for Dave Tippett. I don't know if DeHarnay is here. DeHarnay got to play for a couple of years for Manson and Woodcroft in the minors, and I can tell you with 100% certainty, coaches, uh, if, you've, if you've had a history with a coach, you have one up on another player because he knows what you're capable of doing. So DeHarnay had the benefit of playing for a few years under the coaching staff that now runs the Edmonton Oilers. If they were not here... Darnay, quite possibly, is still in the minors and having a wonderful minor league career and then probably finishing his career in Europe. He's been given an opportunity because these coaching staff knows him and good, good on him. He has grabbed that opportunity and he has been excellent. He has lived up to everything that he's ever wanted to be and uh, he looks like he is here for the foreseeable future. But he has had the benefit of having coaches that know what his strengths are and know what he's capable of doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And 
but he deserves a lot of credit too. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, he's, I interviewed him last year when he was playing for Bakersfield, and he just was like, yeah, any day you go to the rink is a good day, one of those types of attitudes, and he's always worked on his game. And I can tell you from experience, I've been in the minors. Guys that have been down there that are 26, 27, 25 years old, uh, a little jaded. Uh, the work ethic quite isn't the same as it used to be. The dedication to the sport isn't the same as it used to be because now they've more or less are pigeonholed as minor league players or in-betweeners. So it, to it, it's not living in the NHL, playing in the NHL is fun. Yeah. It, it really is. Financially, the lifestyle, all of that's fun. The minors, not always. Uh, the plate you're playing, a lot of times you're playing in empty arenas in the middle of nowhere. You're busting a lot of places. The hotels aren't the same. So it, it it wears and tears on a body and on a mind. So for him to continue to put in the effort that he did, to allow himself that when he had the opportunity, he was fully prepared, that's good on him. And uh, Vinny coming to the Oilers is our quick change for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. 6-2, Montreal wins big over the Oilers. Okay, we have uh, someone calling themselves Thunder on the phone. Well, I hope you leave us thunderstruck. Go ahead. Yes, I, I hope so, too. Rather than throw the defense under the bus, make uh, the forwards play a little bit better. Uh, maybe they should all donate their their play their pay for the game to the 50-50 fund. Well, and, I think uh, a lot. I, I think when a lot of times when Rob and I talk about defense or defending, we're we're talking about team defense. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean sometimes we might talk about an individual defenseman, but I, I do think, and we I think we've been clear on that at, throughout much of the year that. Sometimes it's it's team defense. Yeah. Now, sometimes a defenseman does make a mistake or have a bad yeah, game. The, the, uh, yeah. Bottom line, the Oilers did not have a good game. They 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 were not good today. But having said that, they were what is it, eleven zero and two or nine zero and nine zero two and nine zero in their last eleven games. They're on a nice run. Yeah. Not all not all games are going to be good. And today, the Oilers had a bad hockey game. Yeah. What else, Thunder? Yes, but uh, I mean, you zeroed in on a uh, couple of defensemen. I zeroed in on Bouchard. I said as an example of the team. This was an example okay. of the way that the Oilers game went today. Bouchard wasn't good, but I also said the Oilers, as a whole, were not good. Outside of Vinny DeHarnay is the only player that might have played up to his potential in today's game, and he's a defenseman, so I pointed out a D-man. Everyone else, and I pointed out Connor, and I pointed out Leon, and I pointed out Hyman, they were minus nine combined in this hockey game. So this was a game where uh, nobody from the top to the bottom on this team had a good game. All right, 50-50 is almost 1.6 million, by the way, and it's going to keep going to until Friday for the Ben Stelter Fund. All right, uh, we'll get to Dustin on the phone line in a second as well. We've got to call a quick, uh, quick timeout. Oilers lose 6-2. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Jordan Harris scores twice. Jake Allen makes 29 saves. Montreal dominating the Oilers 6-2 today. So Edmonton now 30-19-5 on the season. We'll go to the Certainty Hotline. We have Dustin standing by. Happy Sunday, Dustin. Go ahead. You too. Um, I just wanted to bring up a Vander Kane. We just we just went through the one year anniversary of Woodcroft coming in. Yeah. Um, we're also at the one year of a Vander Kane coming in. Little past it. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Last year we depended on him, and he was a first liner. Um, he joined McDavid, and we lit it up in the last last uh, half of the season. Um, 
Our power play is going down the drain as of late, for sure. I'm just wondering why Woodcroft is still playing as a, him as a third liner, pretty much. Um, well, he's on their second. He's on their second unit, and he's yeah, the one, he he'll he and Hyman switch off. And uh, in the past, now I give. Well, no, Hyman's been on the first unit. No, no, no. But he, he Hyman takes he's takes Hyman off. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I see so yeah. So yeah. he and Hyman are the two guys. And in the past, we've seen where Hy Kane at times would start instead of Hyman. He hasn't done that this year. And there have been times where I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how excited Kane is, is sitting on the bench. He's got three goals in four games, and there's a power play, and he's not out again. And especially when the Oilers have extended power plays, and there's a face-off a minute 20 in, and he hasn't changed them. So I have seen that, uh, where I, I'm surprised that Kane hasn't gotten on the ice a little bit quicker. Hyman's on a bit of a run uh, for the Oilers. But... Yes, uh, the problem for the Oilers is they've got the best power play in the league, and a guy that is a strong power play guy is their sixth player for it. Understandable. I, I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on it, and I'd like to see Kane get out on the ice a little bit more. I think he's 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 put his work in, and uh, he's ready to go. I, I agree. The one thing, the one problem for Kane is Kane's strength. Is I know he'd be. I mean, he can play anywhere in the power play. He's that good, but where he looks his most comfortable is where Nugent Hopkins, because the thing that Kane has, and we saw it tonight in the game, Kane's got an incredibly quick, heavy wrist shot. So when if he's where Nugent Hopkins is, he's he's capable of scoring from there. Uh, no matter how what's going on with the power play, they're not moving Nugent Hopkins. So Kane, he and Hyman switch back and forth, and Kane is good there too. But his strength, where he'd be really good, is up high where Nugent Hopkins is. And I thought that right when they signed Kane, that how is his body language when he's a guy that sh would be on any other power play in the NHL on their first unit, when all of a sudden a minute 10 in, he's still not on a power play when he's capable of being good enough to be out there. Kane Perfect. is averaging 19.04. It was 19.27 as an Oiler last season. He had three power play goals with the Oilers last year, zero this year, two shorthanded last year, one this year, the empty netter. No, obviously his numbers are a little down. Yeah, he's only he's played 21 games with this year. the injuries. Uh, but since he's come back, is that four goals now? Yep. Since he's come back from it in the last five or five games. So uh, he, I, I was one of the guys that said that I would not sign him. Uh, he has been on the ice. He has been everything the Edmonton Oilers could ever have imagined and probably more. For sure. For sure. Okay, thank you very much. Enjoy the nachos and the Super Bowl. Yes, thank you, Dustin. <laughs> for, for sure. 780-496-0063 as the Oilers lose 6-2 to the Canadians. When you played, would the did team make, if I mean, if there wasn't travel or a game or something like that, would the, would the team make an effort to watch uh, the Super Bowl together? Uh, well, or if, I guess, you know, not as many guys had cable back then. <laughs> if you didn't have the channel. <laughs> um, most teams that I've played on any uh, special occasion, whether it be having a Halloween party, having a Super Bowl party, I, I remember... Uh, in Chicago during the World Series when the Blue Jays were in it. Uh, myself and Noonan and Hudson and a few other guys would make our, our way to a, a local bar to watch the World Series together. So most good teams, close teams, find ways to be together for certain certain things. I've gone, we've had a couple of Grey Cup parties in the States, which uh, it's not always easy finding a Grey Cup on somewhere. 
but we have found those as well. So yes, I have most teams, if there's a Super Bowl and we don't play, we would find a way to get together, or a majority of the players. Because I also played in Pittsburgh where we had, at one point, I think we had 13 Europeans. They weren't as excited about the Super Bowl as the rest of us. <laughs> Again, Rob's pick is the Chiefs win on a field goal with no time on the clock of over 50 yards, 30-27. I'm taking the Chiefs 31 21. The, big, the biggest Eagles things, are the favorite. Yeah, and the biggest thing is I want a close game. I want it to be a fun game. And uh, I'm going to watch the halftime show. I'm going to watch Rihanna. Well, I'll watch it because there's nothing else to watch. Well, I guess, is the puppy bowl on? <laughs> I, I have seen the things about I don't know if this is side. Did you see the, the minivan or the van that drives around or a bus drives around and picks up dogs and they get on and they're going to a, like a puppy day camp and they all sit in their little chairs all like they walk on they have the same chair all the time and oh my god you got to watch that video track and uh, <laughs> track and beat the flyers 4-3 sharks knock off the capitals 4-1 vegas up 2-0 on the ducks with four minutes left in the second period and right here on 6:30, chad the canadians take it to the oilers 6-2 oilers hockey as always presented by friesen brothers our next game broadcast Wednesday, 6 o'clock face-off show. Puck drop at 7.30. Oilers will host the Red Wings. Don't forget, Bob has Oilers now, noon to 2 on Monday. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to our studio producer, Angie Quinnell. Get more on the team on 630chat.com or globalnews.ca. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.